G'day guys, welcome to episode 143 of Talking With TK. I'm your host Tristan Cannell. We're back at it with the Rugby League Legends and I'm really excited to have on the Moz, Big Adrian Morley. I've actually got an apology for everyone. This episode should have been done something like 18 months ago. We actually did an episode, but I actually didn't hit record. So it's the first time that's ever happened in you know, nearly four years of podcasting, but sometimes, you know, you just make mistakes. And I do apologize because the first one was a beauty. I'm hoping that you guys really enjoy this one because he's got some cracking stories from his days in England, from his days in Australia. He's just a legendary bloke and he was very open and honest about everything from, you know, the send-offs to, there's a few incredible ones. There's the book. I won't spoil it too much, but it's a bit of a cracker there. But uh, yeah, he's just an open and honest guy. Real true blue dude, I think that's why everyone just loves him. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Before we get Big Moz on the show, just a big shout out to everyone that has been leaving reviews. So if you haven't done that yet, if you can jump on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or even just the Facebook page and just leave a review, that really helps me to continue to grow in the rankings and just get seen by more and more people. I really do appreciate everyone that's been sharing the show. Whether it's a yarn over dinner or breakfast, just telling your family and friends, I do really, really appreciate it. I did announce a couple of weeks back and also last week's episode that my book will be coming out. It will be on the 14th of August. Pre-sales are actually in the works now. The book is called Talking with Champions. So pretty much it did. it's 75 interviews that I just find really, really inspirational and some of my favorites across... Like I did mention, my nearly four years of podcasting, it's not just with talking with TK. I did have a first first podcast called the Vision Board Podcast, which did host the likes of Jonathan Thurston, Evander Holyfield, George Foreman, Mario Andretti, Larry Holmes, just some of my absolute idols. I was very, very lucky. It was more of an international feel with that podcast. If you want to see any of those podcasts, just hit me up on email or direct message i'll point you in the right direction but yeah if you can support it will be out it's you know it's going to be launched for father's day it is the 14th of august so a couple of weeks before father's day it will retail at $29.99 or you can pre-sale at $24.95 at angus and robertson or booktopia or pretty much any good bookstore is going to have the book so if you can find it in your heart to continue to support the show that's pretty much where you know, all this cash is going to go into flying around, hopefully interviewing more and more great people from around Australia and then hopefully also around the world. All right, guys, thanks for your time for that one. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to bring today's guest to the show and I introduce Adrian Morley. All right, guys, my special guest today is Adrian Morley. Adrian is a rugby league legend whose professional journey started at Leeds Rhinos and finished in Salford and also included a very successful stint in the NRL where he won a premiership with the Sydney Roosters. He's the first player, actually, to win an NRL and Super League competition, while he also had the honour of representing Great Britain in 30 tests and England in 23 tests. Honour to welcome to the podcast, Moz, Adrian Morley. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks, Tris. Mate, first things first, mate, it's been an absolute invasion this this year in the NRL, and I'm loving it, because the English boys, they really rip in. But, mate, back in 2001, you really were the pioneer for coming out here and doing a full season in NRL and having a real crack. When you look back now, Moz, 
Could you imagine how many players would have followed what your lead was all the, all these years back? No, it's it's hard to it's hard to picture that because you know for a number of years I was the the sole Englishman over there, and uh, I know it, it, at the time you, you probably got a bit more money to to play in the Super League rather than the the, the NRL, so uh, money wasn't a factor going over, and you know, it was just the challenge really. But you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that there's a, a number of English players you know, playing the trade over in the NRL and uh, they're all doing very, very well and I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of them, boys. Yeah, well, with Callum Watkins debuting for the Titans on on Saturday or Sunday, it's going to be 11 players and then obviously Georgie Williams is joining next year as well. Can you tell us anything about George? Yeah, very, very, very talented player. I mean, he's still, still a young lad and um, still learning his, his, his trade a lot, really. But I'm delighted he's, he's uh, chose to go to the NRL. I think it does improve you as a player. And I think, you know, while he's still you know, learning learning uh, the ropes, I think it's a fantastic place to to, to, to go and um, learn, learn, your, learn your craft. And uh, I think he's going to do very, very well. But very, very sharp runner of the ball, you know, is... Um, um, his, his probably his strength is his, his running threat rather than his creative skills but you know he's, he's not too shabby when it comes to uh, passing the ball as well but I think he's going to think he's going to be outstanding over in the NRL Yeah mate when you look at someone like Sam Burgess because Sam Burgess from the old school like you you know you guys love putting big hits on do you still get a bit of a kick out of watching Sam? Oh very much so he's you know in my opinion the best best forward in the world and uh, what he's done over there has been has been fantastic. So yeah, you know he's probably my my favourite current player. Uh, Sam is uh, he, he's done he's done amazingly well. And and you and you're right, he does like the the physical side of the game, which is <laughs> not something I really uh, enjoy watching. Yeah, when you when you think about the opportunity to come out, that Moz, because you took a pay cut to come out, and you were still very very young. Was it something that you just needed in your back of your mind to be? You know, taken seriously as a rugby league player across the world was—is that the reason why you came over? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the NRL was always regarded as the, the toughest competition in the world, and I always had visions of going out there. I probably, probably thought it'd be later on in my career rather than at the age of, of twenty-three. But at the time, I was thinking, if I'm not going now, I might not get another opportunity. So that that played on my mind, and of course, Graham Murray was very, very influential. Graham coached me. At, uh, the Rhinos for a couple of years, so the fact he was head coach there at the Roosters uh, made made a you know made a, a, the decision quite easy for me to to go and link up with with Graham again. But yeah, absolutely love love my time down under. It was a very exciting period of my life and a bit daunting as well. You know, it was it was a, a big big decision to make, but uh, you know, one one I don't regret for one minute. Yeah, was it only the Roosters that came after you at that time? Uh, I spoke to um, spoke to Brian Smith at, at, the, was at Parramatta, yep. but um, but pretty much once I knew Graham was was at the Roosters, there was only one club I would have I would have gone to really, and um, I didn't I didn't know uh, where, where you know the Sydney Roosters played out of, but it turns out you know, that's the the nicest place to live as well in Sydney, <laughs> which is the you know the eastern suburbs, and it was. Uh, you know the boys from Bondi and all that. It was uh, it was great. Yeah, you you settled in Coogee by memory, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, I had I had been to Coogee before, so I knew you know it was a fantastic place to to, to live. But I felt a little bit more at home in Coogee only because every other accent was an English one because of the the backpacking community. And uh, you know, I thought this is the best of both worlds. Where I'm still living in Sydney, but there's a lot of 
a lot of English about as well. And it was it was great, you know, coming from Salford. Um, you know, it's Salford's very much inland and a bit of an industrial city. But we had a beach at the end of the street, which was um, <laughs> ama- amazing when you when you think about it. So uh, yeah, I loved I loved the Sydney lifestyle, and I also loved uh, you know playing in the NRL. Yeah, what was your local? Was it Coogee Bay Hotel? Could you be hotel? Yeah, or, or the palace? Uh, oh, the yeah. palace. So, yeah, so uh, I went over a couple of years ago. It's been done up now. The palace, mate. The palace so is, yeah, mate. Guys like me and you aren't allowed in the palace, mate. We, it's just, oh, right, it's a bit too posh. It's right? too classy, <laughs> mate. We've got to stay at the sports bar over at Coogee Bay Hotel, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mate, you mentioned Salford, so let's go back a little bit to the start because you were born near the Willows, which obviously is a famous ground over. A, in Salford. So tell me a little bit about how the Morleys ended up in Salford. Well, my dad's from St. Helens, actually. Uh, my mother's from Salford, but they actually met on the Isle of Man, which uh, it's a little island between uh, England and, and Ireland, and apparently that was the place to go in the 60s. So my mum and dad met there, and then uh, my dad relocated to, to Salford. But um, my mother was a mad Man United fan, so she... Didn't, didn't entertain rugby league at all, but my dad, coming from St. Helens, which is a rugby league town, he was the big rugby league influence. But yeah, I grew up about, about 100 metres from the Willows, which, um, you know, I was a mad, mad Salford fan as a kid. I used to go watching the A team on a Thursday night, the, the academy on a Saturday, and the first team on a Sunday. I wanted to I wanted to sign for Salford, you know, I used to go, didn't miss a game. Um, so that that's um, growing up in Salford. That was my dream to, to to play for Salford, but they never they never come in through me as a as a as a junior and end up going uh, to Leeds. Yeah, mate. I actually on Netflix the other day. I was watching this show about Salford Football Club, and you know the boys from Manchester United has bought this club and they're transforming it. And every year they get promoted and things like that. Have you been to that, yeah. that, that those games? Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been went to a couple of games last year because there's, there's a great uh, feel good factor about Salford FC because you're right, you know, I think uh, it's the class of '92, you know, David Beckham, the Neville brothers, and uh, Nicky Butt and Paul Scholes, they, they've all got a, uh, a share in, in Salford FC, so it's, it's really has turned the fortunes around, and they're, they're actually in the in the football league from next year, so uh, they, 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 they've done great, yeah, and, and, and in the cup they've drew. Leeds United, which um, you know they're, they're a couple of divisions higher, but so in the cup competition you, you can get drawn to teams you know a lot a lot higher up. So so they're gonna they're gonna bring a, a load of Leeds United fans, and it's uh, be an invasion, but uh, it's fantastic that they get a chance to play in these uh, in in the in the bigger games now. Yeah, mate, it's actually funny you mentioned Leeds because they came out last week and they played my team, Western Sydney Wanderers. We nearly beat them. They only beat us on the last kick of the game, mate. I reckon you guys are a chance. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, anything can happen on the day, but but just there's a um, you know confidence is running high, and you know so they, they, they've certainly got a chance. But uh, it'll be uh, there's a big rivalry with with Manchester and Salford and Leeds. There's always a, a huge rivalry in, in, in football, but uh, soccer, you know, because uh, they're very very patriotic and um, you know they're very quite tribal. I mean, in, in rugby league, you know, there's no segregation at the in the crowds but in football it does does tend to get a bit nasty really so yeah, uh, yeah. so the, the, I dare say there'll be a few uh, few, few uh, spilled words and uh, maybe even <laughs> fisticuffs on the, on the terraces so uh, I'll, I'll avoid that game I think <laughs> Mate Ryan Giggs he, he wrote you forward for your book Are you guys good mates? Yeah 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 I mean when, when I see him I mean uh, you know we don't hang out really but 
you know, when I do see him, we have a good chat. But his 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 father actually come up from Wales to to play rugby league. Uh, played for for Swinton. So Ryan actually played rugby league with with my older brother Chris, and he was absolutely fantastic at, at rugby league as well. But yeah, yeah. I think he made the right decision sticking with uh, with, with, <laughs> I think with so. soccer. But but he, he loves the sport. You know, he's been seen at Wigan games. He's a Wigan fan, um, so he's been seen at Wigan games. But but he, he does love the sport, and um, yeah, he's. Um, but when I was when I was still playing, he was always very, uh, you know, vocal and supportive. So uh, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's a he's good good pal to have, really. Yeah. Now, Moz, you mentioned your older brother Chris. You know, he's a very good player in his own right as well. What was it like when you guys were growing up with those backyard battles? Yeah, there was a few. I've got an, another older brother as well, Stephen. But okay. um, but 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 uh, he. he Always played amateur, but never, never quite made it as a professional. I think me and Chris have got the bit more size about it than than over our Steve. But but he was three years older than me, Chris, so he was always quite um, significantly bigger. So yeah. uh, so I didn't I didn't I didn't tend to mess with him when it comes to uh, all the rough <laughs> stuff. But but he, he was a, he was a really really big influence on me because yeah, so he he was a, a really big influence. He was three years older than me and I was 14 year old when he signed professionally and um, I, I just wanted to to emulate what he did he signed for St Helens and uh, yeah it was it was a big uh, big motivator and a, a, a big influence and um, thankfully I got the chance to do it myself and, and, and join him in the professional ranks but yeah he, he had a good career Chris he played uh, played played for Wales played against Australia played against New Zealand won a, won a challenge cup so he had, he had a fair career yeah, and Moss, who was your junior club for you two? Uh, well, we we played for different clubs. Uh, he played for Langwether, uh, and that was when he played with uh, with Ryan Giggs. But I played for Eccles. Okay. Only only the fact that only the fact that Langwether was a lot closer, but they didn't have a team at uh, my age, so I had to do a. It's not 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 that far away, but it's a little bit further away. So, uh, but my my son now Leo, he's twelve. He's actually playing for the for the same club I started at. So. Uh, yeah, there's a nice little connection there. Yeah, nice. Is Leo a big fellow as, as well? He is. He is. He's, he's tall. He's, he's quite lean, but um, he's, he's got something actually. He got, he got uh, player of the year last year, so it's early days yet. But uh, but you never know. Please tell me Leo's got the aggression of his old man. Please. He's, he's, he's not actually. He's uh, takes after his mother, but uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a good little player. But um, he's not. He's not. Um, it's not as loose as me, right? <laughs> so, uh, <yeah. laughs> so, mate, were you this, were, you know, this, what you brought to the NRL, you know, I loved it, the aggression, everything like that, but did you bring that to the junior games as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've always loved the, the physical side of, of the sport and, um, yeah, I was always uh, in, in the thick of the action, really, so, you know, I used to, um, as a, cause, because I loved it, you know, occasionally a few tackles would go wrong and I'd be on the the wrong end of a, of a red card. So, uh, yeah, I've always played that way and, you know, obviously went into my professional career as well. <laughs> i got to ask, what was it? Was it the contact? Was it the fact that you could smash someone? Like, what was it the love? Because you did have a, a real passionate love for the actual contact or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know really. I just always always enjoyed that part of the sport and uh, I was really disappointed when the... Um, when they got rid of the shoulder charge, actually, I thought that's what made our sport, you know, uh, gladiatorial in a way, really. So disappointed with that. But yeah, just always loved the, the, the physical side. And, 
you know, there's no law saying how hard you can hit someone in, in defence, which was, which was great. And you know, when you when you put, there's no better feeling in the world than, than putting a putting a great shot on and standing over your opponent and saying, get some of that into you. So it's uh, yeah, I've always uh, always enjoyed that. But yeah, I think you would have done pretty well in in Rome back in the the old ages in the Coliseum, <laughs> back in, mate. Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Now, mate, how did Leeds first spot you? So I played in a, a Lancashire Cup final uh, for Eccles, for and it was an under-18, so all the best players had signed at school, really. And, you know, my, my year was quite vintage for talent. It was uh, Sean Long, Paul Sculthorpe, Kieran Cunningham. But when all the best players had signed professionally, suddenly my Eccles team, we were... Um, we were one of the better teams out there and we, we made the uh, Lancashire Cup final. We played a team called Blackbrook. It was at the Willows, so I thought now's my chance to show Salford what I've got. Played the final. I played well, uh, scored a try, and, but it was the lead scout who, who come up to me. Uh, we, we, had, we actually had a, another player called Nathan McAvoy who yep. went on to have a, a good professional career. He was like a all, centre all the, fullback, the, right? He was, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bradford? All, all Did he play Bradford? That's right, yeah, yeah. He yeah. signed for Salford originally, but then he did go to Bradford and he won the Challenge Cup there. But all the clubs wanted to sign Nathan. But when the other scouts were there, give the rest of us a chance to, to show what we could do. But uh, the lead scout come up to me and said, we come watching McAvoy, but we like what we see in you, Adrian. We want to talk about signing professionally. And at, the, at this point, I'd had two professional contract offers, one from Lee and one from Swinton, okay. but I was just I was just delighted to get a you know professional contract offer, and I thought if I don't sign for any of the clubs, I'll sign for one of them two at the end of the year. But I was holding out for Salford really. But then when Leeds come in, apart from the great Wigan team of the day, Leeds were the one of the better teams in the land. So uh, it was a it was a no brainer really. So uh, so I signed for Leeds, and then um, I didn't realise how far away it was actually. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's because it's, you know it was about forty miles from from Salford, so it went until after I signed. It, I thought I'm going to get to training, and you know couldn't drive at the time. But but all these all these little problems, you you, you just get get over them uh, when 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 needed. Yeah, how did you get to training? Was it buses? So yeah, yeah. So I got I got the train a few times, but then uh, when when I got there, you know you'd sort of pick up lads who live near you and. And uh, there was a lad who lived from coming from St Helens, which you have to go through Salford to get to, to Leeds. So I used to meet him, but then uh, it was only for a couple of months. But then I passed me driving test, then so I got a I got a little Volkswagen Polo, and that that was me then on the uh, on the M62. Yeah. Now, when you debuted in '95, how old were you? Like 18? 17, I was. Yeah. 17. yeah so yeah, they, they, they probably do tend to start me a little bit younger in, in the UK. But Leeds, Leeds had a policy then under under Dougie Lawton of, of giving juniors, youngsters a chance. And so the team when I made my debut, there was Francis Cummins, there was Marcus Vasilakopoulos, and they were they were the same age as me. They they'd been um, in the first team for a, nearly four years. So uh, it was great having them boys as a as a you know a little bit of experience, even though they they were young. Um, so it was great having them boys in and. Yeah, I was very extremely nervous, but um, once you get your, your first game out of the way, it was all all plain sailing after that, really. Yeah, mate. Now, the Black Pearl, Ellery Hanley, was your hero. How did it feel to be standing in the same dressing room as this, this great man? Oh, it was, it was it was fantastic. You know, just uh, everything about him has got has got like an aura about him, Ellery. And, uh, but as you say, I, I grew up idolising, you know, players like Ellery Hanley and Gary Schofield and Kevin Iroh and... 
you know, and, and, and my very first game, I got to play with all these legends of the of, of the game. So it was uh, a little bit daunting, but when, you know, when you're young, you you you're bulletproof really. And I just tried to take it in my stride. But um, but I remember we uh, it was it was Good Friday against Hull, and uh, we we got the win as well. There was thirteen thousand people at Headingley, and it was uh, it was amazing. You know, I come off the bench. Um, I only played with Ellery for about five minutes, but. And that was the only game I ever played with him. But at least I can say I got to, I got to play uh, one game with my hero. Yeah, for sure. Now, mate, you've timed it pretty well because obviously Super League starts in '96. Did you ever work? I did. Yeah, I was an uh, apprentice electrician. So uh, before the onset of Super League, it was uh, semi-professional rugby league. So every, apart from Wigan, who were full-time professional, virtually every every other player had a job, and then they used to train in the evenings. So. Yeah. Um, so you know, we, we my eldest brother was an electrician. Uh, my middle brother was a, a joiner, and my dad was very big on you know for us all to get trades, and then you've got that to fall back on. So I was two years into a four-year apprentice electrician. So I did two years, and that's when I got offered full time off off uh, off leave dryers. It's the only bit of advice I didn't take off my dad. He said, "I don't want you to sign full time. I want you to." Do your uh, do your apprenticeship, get your trade. But so I didn't take his advice, and uh, I signed. Uh, I said I think I can make a go of this game, Dad. Anyway, so that's the only time I didn't take his advice. And but <laughs> thankfully, thank, thankfully it turned out all right. Yeah, it turned out very well, right, mate. Because by '99, you're winning Challenge Cups. How was that, mate? I've heard a few people describe that feeling at Wembley. From your own perspective, old Wembley, can you describe it? Oh, it was it was amazing. I mean, I when when I when I made my debut in '95. I played three first-team games, and then they, they actually took me down to Wembley as a, um, as part of the squad to when Leeds played Wigan in the, in the Challenge Cup final, and I absolutely loved the experience. There was no pressure on me because I knew I wasn't playing, but just everything about it, you know, staying in nice hotels and doing the Wembley walk the day before the game, and I made it my goal there, and then to, to, to one day play in a Challenge Cup final. And then... Uh, yeah, four years later, I achieved me me goal there, and we went down, and it was the last ever final at Wembley before it got demolished and, and rebuilt. But it was uh, it was amazing. We, we played the London Broncos, and uh, it was quite surreal on on that day. Um, um, Richard Branson actually walked out the the he, he was owner of the London Broncos, and he actually walked out the the London Broncos, and uh, we was getting beat ten nil uh, halfway halfway through the first half, but then. I think it was about twelve ten and a half time, but then it, the second half it was all plain sailing. But it was it was one of the one of the few games where you knew you'd won it, you know, with with five or ten minutes to go. I mean, yeah. a lot of games go down to down to the wire, and you can't really relax. But it was a record score as well. I think it was fifty two sixteen. It ended up, but the last five or ten minutes, I could really really soak up the atmosphere and and, and enjoy the the experience. Yeah, now I was the English game back then. You know, there was some really big enforcers. Your great mate Barry McDermott. You know, there was Andy Platt, Dennis Betts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Who was it in that little period of time when you first come through? Who was that guy that you know you really looked up to and someone that you know you looked forward to playing? Um, probably Barry McDermott. You know, he's uh, he he was another big influence on my on my career. I mean, I'd watched Buddy play. In the '94 Test series against the Aussies, and I just thought, "Wow, this guy is a he's, he's a lunatic." Up. You know, he's a, <laughs> and he's he played a with one eye. <laughs> he did, he did, yeah. So, um, 
I mean, it's, 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 it's you know, if you shut one eye, it's really hard to judge distances and that. So, I take me out to Barry, you know, to, to play with the, the disability, what he had, you know, for a, for a stellar career is, uh, is it was quite amazing. But, but when Barry comes to Leeds, you know, I knew he had the respect of, you know, all, all the forwards uh, packed down. He was front row, I was second row, and then we packed down and he just snarled at the front row. I can't remember who we were playing against, but none of the front row would would look at him. And I thought, that's respect, that, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I want a bit of that. So uh, so that's when I, I went on my own little mission to try and get, you know, a bit, a bit of respect uh, out there. So, yeah, Barry, Barry was, it was it was great for me. And, uh, yeah, I learned, I learned a lot off Barry. Yeah, did they ever call you, like, the Bash Brothers when you were at Leeds? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not the Bash Brothers. But, but, you know, I think he used to enjoy playing with me. I used to enjoy playing with him and... Uh, we had another player, Terry Newton. You know, Terry's—he's yeah. not with—he's not with rest us anymore. Peace. But yep. rest in peace. But but Terry was another one who was extremely aggressive and used to love the the the, the physical side of the sport. So when you've got players like that in your in your, in your pack, you know, you, you go into every game confident, and you know, you, you know for a fact that if it does if it does get physical, that you've you know, you've got uh, you've got quite quite a good set of uh, boys on your side there. There was another player, Darren Fleary. Who was uh, he, again? He was very physical. There was uh, Mark Glanville, who was an Australian who come over, but very, very tough. Uh, in fact, I actually seen the boys. We had a twenty-year reunion from the, from the team that won the Challenge Cup in ninety-nine. Yeah, nice. We had a twenty. We had a twenty-year reunion weekend before last, and, and Brad Godden, uh, Mark Glanville, the Newcastle Martin Macellar, and yeah, yeah, and Jimmy Matthew. They they all flew over from Australia, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was great to have a. Have a few beers and a, and, a, and a reminisce. Yeah, Moz, I'm just imagining this, the middle of this pack, you know, Baz, you know, just mentioned Terry Newton and yourself, mate. That would have been a nightmare. I would have been shitting myself having to run <laughs> Yeah, well, it was, uh, I mean, you know, that, looking back, it's really, really fond memories, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, rugby league, as we know, is physical sport. It's a collision sport. And, you know, when you've got players on, on your side who, who like to go, up to that line and sometimes beyond that line it's uh, you know it's fantastic <laughs> yeah sure. now mate you actually make your England debut in 96 and you know it was a few years later you make your Great Britain debut before we talk about the NRL it's you know I used to love watching the Kangaroo Tours and just seeing how you guys come together especially for the Great Britain team what was it like when they put the best of the best together for the for the GB team oh it was fantastic I mean when I, when I took a keen interest in rugby league as a kid Watching the the Great Britain side was that was the be all and end all for me. You know, just everything about it. You know, the iconic jersey and and you know, just, uh, you know, I couldn't in the wildest dreams, you know, imagine playing for for Great Britain. So when I got a, an opportunity, it was uh, it was absolutely incredible. But everything about it is great. You know, you with the all the, all the best players in the competition. You go into camp. You know, you stay in a hotel. You get a team spirit there and you know, lining up to sing the national anthem, everything about it is absolutely amazing. And I got to do it, you know, at a young age. So I played for England in the June and then I, I got to tour with Great Britain in the in the October and we toured Papua New Guinea and, and Fiji and, and, and New Zealand. And it was uh, it was amazing. It was everything I, I thought it would be. And uh, yeah, so as I say, fortunate enough to do it for a long time and, and, and many times, but... Uh, as a as a 19 year old to to get to tour you know southern hemisphere 
with with Great Britain was uh, was amazing. Yeah, you know, at the top of the show, we talked about all the awesome English players in the NRL. Now, can you imagine if like Paul Scorthorpe and Kieran Cunningham, Kevin Sinfield, if they all played in the NRL, it would have been amazing. Yeah, it would have been would have been amazing. I mean, uh, you know, going back to the eighties, really, it was, it was no surprise that. Um, New Zealand as a as a as a test as a nation really improved when when they got all the all the Kiwis playing in the NRL. I think that's happened with with England and in Great Britain at the moment. So I think the more the more players we get playing over there, I think it does improve the uh, the national side. But but then boys would have been uh, they would have been fantastic over there. I mean they were they were, they were good enough in, in Super League, but I think they would have been um, a revelation over there. Paul, Paul Scullthorpe uh, in particular. Yeah, absolutely agree. Now, let's take you to the NRL, and obviously you, we've spoken a little bit of how you moved over. Mate, when was the first time that you met the great Nick Politis? Uh, it was um, uh, when, when I first got to Sydney, actually. He, 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 he flew over uh, during the year and, and spoke to my agent, but I had not, I had not met him in, in person. So it was probably probably the first week I was there. Uh, you know, Nick Nick's a fantastic guy, and you know, made me feel really welcome. But yeah, he's got a, he's he, again Nick's another one with a bit of a bit of an aura around right, him, and yeah. he's a bit like a bit like the Godfather, isn't he? But uh, but he was you know he he was fantastic for for me, and uh, yeah, I actually did him. A, he was celebrating, I think it was twenty five years in charge of, of the Roosters a couple of years ago, and I did him like a a greeting. But it, it was lovely that they asked me first and foremost, but. You know, said said a few nice words on, but he, he's been absolutely fantastic for the for the Roosters squad. Yeah, now I've got to ask, mate. In this squad, when you're the Roosters, you had Brian Fletcher and Brett Finch. Now, which one would lead you more astray? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, probably Finch, really, but uh, but uh, Fletch. You know, he was probably the funniest player I've played with. Really, when, when he when he left the Roosters at the end of 2002. I think I got a little bit depressed, you know. Uh, so it just, it just after training or even during training, it just, it just hold hold camp, you know, get everyone around him, telling jokes, just talking absolute nonsense. But he's he's really really funny guy. So I'd say, uh, yeah, I really did miss him. But but the following year, that's when Brett Finch come along. So they did actually play for the Roosters together, but. But um, but again, he's another uh, larger than life character, Fincher. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but they both they both on Maddie Johns' show on a Sunday night here in Australia. And mate, some of the stories and yarns they tell, and they just get up to no good on a Sunday night. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, I'm not seeing it to be fair, but I can imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, good to uh, great to <laughs> great to play with them boys, but as pro- proper characters of the game, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, Miles, your first great debut was against the Tigers at the at Stadium Australia. Now, playing in Australia for the first time, what was the biggest noticeable difference between the Super League and the NRL? Well, when I left the Super League, it, there was probably uh, I'd say there was probably three tiers. There was the top four, which was Leeds, Wigan, Bradford, and Saints. Uh, and when you played against them boys, you didn't know, you know, it, it was anyone's game. But then there was probably another tier, like the middle tier, which was Castleford, uh, Warrington, and a couple of other teams, and you could almost beat them. You knew, you knew it was a tough game, but you could, uh, you knew you, you'd probably beat them. But then there was another tier who were, uh, you know, Huddersfield, Salford, and they were they were poor really. You could um, you could beat them without getting out of second gear. But the, the difference with the NRL was. 
it don't matter who you played, uh, home or away, you, you knew you were in for a, for a tough game. So I remember the first year I was there, we we actually beat beat the Broncos twice, home and away. Yeah. Um, but then we got beat off Penrith, who finished Wooden Spoon. They beat us twice. So as I say, anyone on the day can can beat anyone. And I just found that every every club had. Probably a better quality of player. So in in the UK, there's probably fourteen or fifteen genuine first team players in each squad. Whereas the NRL, there was twenty odd players who could hold down a regular spot. So um, very lot lot more evenly contested and a lot more competitive in the in the NRL. Yeah, and a lot of you know international players struggle with the fitness, but that was a little bit different for you. You loved the kind of fitness side of things, eh? I did. I've always, I've always really enjoyed the, you know, the the fitness drills, and you know, when 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 I was coming through the ranks, you know, I realised I wasn't, I wasn't the most talented. You know, I couldn't, couldn't kick, I couldn't pass really. But what, I, what I could do was get as big and fit and strong as I could, and then, mm. you know, add that to to an aggressive player. And I thought that that's my, that's my strength. So. Very proud of the fact that you know I always put in hundred percent in in the training and really really enjoyed that that side and it was great you know at Leeds I was probably uh, probably the fittest forward but then when I went to the to the to the Roosters I was fourth or fifth in the in, in the queue there there was uh, really really fit lads there was Luke Ricketson and and Craig Fitzgibbon so I had a bit of work to do there's another lad Simon Bennett and these were all these were all beating me in in the fitness drill so I thought that's it was great for me because it pushed me and you know made me work harder. So I probably I'd say I was the fittest I've ever been when when I was uh, under under Ronnie Palmer there at the Roosters. It was uh, it was great. Yeah, what was Ronnie Palmer like as a as a strength and conditioning coach? What, give me a good story Fantastic. of something where he flogged you. Well, uh, <laughs> the, the the worst one I thought it, it wasn't so much Ronnie. It was Ricky Stewart. We went on a on a preseason trip to to Coffs Harbour, but I used to get on really well with Ronnie. He was like a Bit like a father figure to, to me, Ronnie, and we, you know we got we got let out for the night, and then we was all having a drink, and then um, Ronnie just said, "Just be careful what you're drinking tonight." And I thought that was a bit strange, mm. but there was a midnight curfew, and then we all went to bed. But then quarter past quarter past twelve, knock on the door, right, get your training gear on. We, we're going training, so this was pitch black, and we'd all had half a dozen schooners, and then uh, Ricky Ricky made us do hills. Uh, half drunk and uh, yeah, but but because the lads had had a few beers, they all got a bit of a bit of Dutch courage, and they was all abusing <laughs> Ricky. But uh, but that's the, that's probably the strangest training I've ever done. But his, his his mindset was if you can if you can train when you've had a few beers, you know you can you can pretty much do anything really. But um, I wasn't a big fan of that. But uh, but yeah, Ron, Ronnie was Ronnie was great for me. You know, um, yeah yeah, very much. Uh, uh, bit of a bit of a father figure, yeah. He was he was great. Yeah, how good was his shorts, mate? He was loving it. Outstanding, outstanding. Yeah, he's uh, you know I don't know how old he is now, Ronnie, but he always he always in fantastic fantastic shape, and uh, you know he always used to do the do the training with us. But uh, what a guy! Just just great company and just a great great place, to, great great person to have around the place. You know his his uh, enthusiasm was uh, infectious. Yeah, for sure. Now, in terms of being an enforcer in the NRL, when you first came to Australia, who was the kind of guys that... Because I'm sure that you came over with a reputation that you were an enforcer. So who was the NRL guys that kind of went after you? Uh, well, Gordon Tallis was... Again, he was another one of my, my heroes, really. So when, when I started taking rugby league serious, you know, I was second row at the time. And then 
I just looked, um, just just trying to trying to learn off players. But when I seen Gordon play, you know, I was just I was in awe of him. Really, you know, such uh, he was so aggressive, and he, you know, it was like he was a bit of a, a bit unhinged, you know. But that's what made him re- really appealing to me. You never know quite what you were going to get with with Gordon. So, so I always had uh, you know a lot of respect for Gordon. So, so when I come over to you know to to actually play against. You know the, these these types of people. Stephen Kearney was was another one who was a fantastic player, and um, you know got got to got to play against Stephen. But but the, the NRL, it's just it was it was littered with quality players. You know, the, as I mentioned before, there's better better quality of player over there. But there was uh, yeah, there was there was a load of them over there. I got to play with uh, Quentin Pongia again. He's not with us anymore, but yeah. such such a such a tough man. And you know, I was delighted. I got to play uh, play a season with uh, with Quentin. But yeah, he was he was a, he was a tough man. All right. Yeah. Now I want to take you to 2002. Obviously, your first premiership win when you beat the Warriors. But obviously, the big moment in the game is when when Big Richard Villasani takes out Freddie Fitler, which must be one of the dumbest plays of all time because it fired you guys right up, and you and Peter Cusack got stuck into him. Yeah, we did, and you know that's what that's what rugby league's all about, isn't it? You know, protecting your 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 star players, your captains, your half back, and you know when he did put the head on him, no, no one said a word really, but we just all looked at each other, all the forwards, and and you, nothing had to be said. You could tell it was uh, it was uh, it was going through our minds. Let's let's get a bit of retribution here, and uh, yeah, thankfully we uh, we ended up doing that. But you're right, it did fire us up as a, as a team, and you know it was all. One way traffic after that. Yeah, it was probably the kick in the the pants that you guys needed because you did come out of the blocks pretty slow. You actually, I think you were behind at halftime, weren't you? Yeah, we was. Yeah, I remember um, Stacey Jones scored a scored a wonderful uh, individual try, and uh, so yeah, we probably needed a spark, you know, a little bit of of something, and uh, you know, thankfully, you know, Fred, Freddie won't thank me for saying that, but <laughs> thankfully because he had stitches in his eye, but but that that was the one thing that did spark us up and then uh, kicked us into gear and, and uh, yeah, we got the win. Yeah, you know, when you originally signed, Moz, what was, how many years did you sign for? I signed for three originally and then, um, um, you know, I was I was delighted to... Um, I upgraded you up for a premiership. Uh, yeah, well, well it's funny, you know, because the first year over there, it didn't go as well as I would have liked. Uh, broke my arm halfway through the year. And then Graham Murray got 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 sacked at the end of the year, so I didn't know where I stood really. But then uh, I spoke to Ricky. He said, "Look, you know, we, we want you, we want you back next year." So the second year was the that's when it started going really well. You know, I got used to living away from home, and probably getting that grand final victory. That was probably what uh, I felt accepted then off you know off everyone, off all the spectators, off all the press, and and so after getting that win, you know, I was it was it was all. Uh, it was all plain sailing then, so uh, we made a following grand final the following year. And you know, when you are having a bit of success, you know, it makes you it makes you want to stay there. But I was I was uh, more than happy to to extend that three years and and, and make it into six. Yeah, now Moz, you know, you just mentioned you broke your arm. You know, you used to wear that that arm guard. Was that something? Did you wear that in England, or was that just after that broken arm? No, I used to wear that in England. Uh, I just found that. I mean, uh, it was. Believe it or not, it was the right arm, and it was. Uh, what was in it, it was, mate? It was, on, it was on the forearm, but, but because, because of my tackling style, I always used to get either elbows or you know used to get a whack on the uh, on the forearm. So I just I just found that with a bit of padding, 
uh, you know, it just used to help with the uh, with the bruises. So, uh, so yeah, become a bit of a bit of a trademark, really. The old uh, the old forearm guard. <laughs> now, oh three, oh four. You know, you guys develop a bit of a rivalry with the Bulldogs. You know, you knocked them out in oh three. And I think that took a lot of petrol out of you for the grand final. I actually heard Finchie talking about it the other day, how much petrol the actual semi-final took out of you guys leading up into that game in 03. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, there was there was a lot of talk of, you know, the, the year previous where we genuine um, grand final winners because the Bulldogs, they, they, were, they were flying high at the top of the table and they had all the points stripped off for, for salary cap breaches. So there was always question mark over the, over the, over that uh, getting the grand final winners ring. So, the following year, you know, when we did play him in the, in the in the major semi, it was a lot was riding on it, and you know, we did get the win. But yeah, Finchie was probably right. It probably did take a take a bit more out of us than than we thought. But um, you know, even even in the the grand final, we still had our chances. But Penrith just played uh, particularly well on the night and, and got the job done. Yeah. Now, mate, I've, there's an urban myth that you had a book. That you put people in this book that you're going to smash them. Is this is this true? <laughs> it is, but um, it's not. It's not a physical book. It was uh, it's a mental metaphorical book. book. So yeah, so we got we got we got to a game and it was against the Bulldogs actually, and one of their forwards had written something in the paper. It weren't particularly offensive, but it was something like we're not you know we're not scared of the Roosters forwards. And as I walked in, someone said, "Have you seen seen what's in the paper?" I went, "Yep, don't worry, he's in the book." And then that game, I absolutely smashed him all, all game. But then the, follow, the following week, as I walked in the changing rooms, Ricky Stewart came up to me and said, who's in the book this week? So I just, look, I just looked at the team sheet, just picked a forward at random and said, right, he's in the book. And again, that, that, that game had you know, got, got, got over the top of that forward. But it would become a bit of a joke then. Every week it was... You know, my teammates coming up to me saying, "Can you put so and so in your book?" Because I don't like him. But then uh, it was great for me because it because it gave me a, a focus and a goal. You know, just to just to go after one person. But I knew I knew it was onto something when um, you know when you're out in Sydney, invariably you, you bump into opposing players. And um, you know, I was having I was having a few beers and then with a with an opponent. And then after about twenty minutes. He said, "You're not going to put me in your book, are you, Moz?" So I thought I'm onto something here. So, so word must have got around that I've got this this book. But uh, it was a, it was a bit of fun amongst me and the boys. But again, on a, on a serious note, it did give me a did give me a sharp focus. See, mate, this is what we need in the NRL. This is what we we lack. We lack these characters that want to put a book. <laughs> I had the book, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you know, obviously, your enforcer style got you into a little bit of trouble in Australia. I think it was like 26 games. I think. You missed with suspension, but what was your coaches and even your teammates' approach in terms of you getting suspended a lot? Well, uh, to be fair, Ricky Stewart, he didn't try and change the way I played the game. You know, he he, he realised that was my strength, and you know, when when the, when when a shot does come off, and you know, it, it doesn't half give the team a, a big big lift and a big boost. So he, he was quite happy for me to. You know, try and put these shots on, and if it went occasionally wrong, you know, he, he could he could stand me missing a missing a few weeks here and there. But he, he was great. You know, he gave me a, a free reign, really. I mean, I did do I did try and do a lot of work on you know bending me back and and, and the and the technique side. But on the flip side, you know, he, he didn't really you know if I did get a few weeks here and there, he didn't really go go mad at me. So uh, he, he got in trouble actually one 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 time. I got banned for three weeks just just before the playoffs, and he he actually said. Oh, it's great because it'll give Moz a chance to rest up and get fit for the playoffs, and he, he, he couldn't be seen to 
condoning, you know, getting getting suspended. So we got in a bit a bit of trouble for that. But but it was um, as I say, he, he was he was great for me, and um, yeah, he didn't try and didn't try and change too much. Yeah, did Ricky Stewart ever give you a spray? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was probably one of his favourites, really. So it, you know, it probably. He probably left me out, but I, I used to get away with it probably a little bit more than 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 the, than the average uh, than the average player. But he was uh, just an angry, angry, angry little man. Uh, fantastic coach, great guy. <laughs> but he was, uh, you know, he was he was an angry coach. So uh, every, everyone used to get a spray occasionally, but it's just part and parcel of uh, how, how we how we did coach. Yeah. Now, Moz, I've got to ask, mate. That that game against Australia when you got Robbie Kearns off the kickoff. Now. Did you know you hit him and it's like what was going do you you probably knew you were gonna get sent off, right? Um, I knew I knew there was contact, but I was hoping that, you know, just the the magnitude of the game and the fact that it was the first minute, you know, it, I was hoping he was just gonna put on a report and, you know, let the let the judiciary decide. But um I, I was absolutely heartbroken, you know. I was I was I was probably as fired up for that game as I have been for, for any game in my life. I'd just I'd just come off arguably with my uh Finest year as a as a player. I just played in a grand final. I just I got to play the eight the Roosters, and I just yeah. felt on top of my game. You know, I just felt I'm the, you know I'm the baddest forward on the planet. And I thought, right, now's my chance to show my British teammates how to handle these Aussies. And uh, well, I get fired up for games anyway. But the game got delayed for for twenty minutes uh, for traffic getting to the ground. So yeah. by the time kickoff come round, I was really uh, I was really uh, re- really really fired up. But you know, he, he did sidestep and I did catch him, and the, the rest is history, really. But uh, but I would have would have loved to have you know just put him report and played that game because you know I thought I think would have beaten with with um, thirteen men, but it was uh, heartbreaking to say the least to to be actually winning the game with you know five minutes to go, and then I think it was uh, Darren Lockyer who's been a, a thorn in British players' side for uh, all his career, really. He uh, he done he done his magic again and uh, yeah it broke broke my heart. Yeah, when what, what's the rules between the players at that level? Like if you hit someone high and you've you've you know you've made some damage, do you go up and after the game and apologise or is it on the field? Like how does that work? Um, probably not on the field, but I mean I have nothing against Robbie Kearns. I mean it was, it was a terrific guy. I mean it was it was wasn't premeditated, but yeah, I mean it's a very very funny game rugby league. I'll be honest, you know, going into tackles, I I want to I want to hurt people really, but I don't want to hurt them in terms of I don't want to injure them or you know yeah, yeah. hurt them long long term. But if they stay down winded, you know that's my job done. So no one likes to see injuries. So you know I know he was he was knocked out for, for a while there, and uh, yeah, I, I would have gone up to him after the game and and, and, and apologised. But um, yeah, it's just one of them uh, one one of them things. It was. Uh, you know, missed time challenge in the, um, yes, in, in the history books. Yeah, now, you know, you stint back in the UK after you leave Australia. It was pretty good, mate. You went to Warrington, you won three Challenge Cups. You picked pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a toss-up between Wigan and, and Warrington who I was going to sign for. But, well, just before, before, uh, before I left, I was actually speaking to the Roosters about extending for, you know, for a year or two. That's when we... My girlfriend, who's now my wife, fell pregnant with our first child, and that's when I thought it'd be great to have the grandparents around with us at that special yeah. time. That's why, that's why I went back to the UK, really. But yeah, it was either Wigan or Warrington. But Warrington, it's the next town along from from Salford, so I thought I can live in my hometown, and I was just really impressed with what 
Sam and Moran had to say about Warrington. You know, they've got a new stadium there, and and yeah, it was uh, it was great because they'd not won anything of note for thirty five years, and then yeah, and uh, we, we got we got to win three Challenge Cup in, in in a short space of time, and it coincided with me being made captain as well, which. You know, if you'd have asked me early in my career, are you captain material? I would have said no. I used to take training very seriously. I used to take playing even more seriously. But anything else, I didn't really, I didn't give much of a care about really. You know, I knew I wasn't extremely professional and, you know, uh, all that. But when I got asked the captain the side, I thought, you know, I've, I've done my time here. You know, I've been in international for 10 years and, uh, I thought I was ready for it, you know, I was a lot more mature, a lot, lot wiser, I was, I was a father now at this point, so mm. being made captain, I thought I'm ready for it now, and, you know, uh, getting to lift three Challenge Cups as captain with, with Warrington was uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you know, captaincy, leadership and all that, you know, you've had some great captains over your time, who stands out in terms of, like, traits that you took from them in terms of your own leadership game? Brad, Brad Fittler was, was, was a fantastic leader, you know, obviously, you know, very very talented player, and he's, he's a match winner on his day. But but uh, he, he was great as as a leader as well, a great talker, a uh, great communicator. Uh, Jamie Peacock was was another one. He was he was probably me uh, my favourite captain only because he was similar age to me. You know, he was a forward, but he didn't say a great deal, Jamie. But what he did was was lead by example. So I learned I learned that from him. He wouldn't ask anyone else to do anything what he wasn't prepared to do himself. So. So I, I was, you know, as a captain, I was a, probably a bit more, a bit shy and reserved when it comes to speaking. I mean, it did, it did evolve my communication and speaking. But uh, you know, when I was first captain, I just led, led by example. But having having the added responsibility really improved my game. So um, yeah, and I think as as a captain, I improved over the over the years as well. Yeah. Now you know the three Challenge Cups. You beat Leeds in two of them. Was it weird playing Leeds? Um, no, I mean. A lot of water under the bridge since you know I I you know left there at the end of two thousand. So, uh, but no, it, it, it doesn't matter who we would have played. Well, I would have done my damnedest to, to to get the win. But it's funny that the first one in 09, uh our Super League form was terrible. But we just got on a roll in the cup, winning and winning. And it weren't till uh, the final whistle went, and then I thought, wow, it's I'm captain. It's me to go and who's got to go and lift the, the trophy. But it was uh, everything I, I thought it would be, and it was. Uh, this was at the New Wembley as well, which was, you know, an incredible place to to, to play rugby league. And yeah, getting that win, uh, that gives us the confidence then to 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 get another couple more wins in in, in uh, close uh, proximity. So yeah, it was it was great to be part of that part of that team that had not won anything for thirty five years to finally get our hands on the on the cup again. Yeah, Moz, uh, for you English lads, what's what's more prestigious, winning a Challenge Cup or winning a Super League title? Well, b- before the uh before the the format of the playoffs and the and the grand final, it was the Challenge Cup that was the be all and end all really it, it, to win the to win the Super League or the uh, the championship as it was before Super League, you just had to finish uh, first past the post, finished top of the top of the league, and you, you was you was classed as champions. But Challenge Cup was the was the, was the was the cup to win. But now I think the uh, you know the, the the Super League and the Grand Final, quite rightly so, has overtook the Challenge Cup in terms of prestige, and uh, you know that's the that's the game to win now. Yeah, nice. Now you had an incredible finish because you got to go to Salford for a couple of years. How did that all come about? <laughs> 
Well, I got a, halfway through 2013, I got a phone call from uh, Marwan Kukash, who's, who's the owner at Salford. And, you know, he, he just said, we want you to, to finish your career here at your hometown and there'll be a, there'll be a role here for you um, going forward, which, you know, it was great. And I knew me, um, my time was nearing the end because, you know, I knew my performances were, were, were dipping slightly and I didn't have the same impact on the game. But I thought, you know, if I don't play for my hometown club, my career would feel a bit incomplete, really. So there was that, you know, that that ten-year-old Salford fan inside me saying, "Go and play for your hometown club," which yeah. uh, was great. I mean, I mean, I did I did sign for them, and I felt we underachieved really for the squad we had. We had a fantastic squad, but we did probably underachieve. But it made it no less special for me, you know, representing me, me, me hometown club, and and there was a job there for me uh, post playing, which was which was great. Yeah, how's the body held up post footy? Do you know what? It's, it's uh, surprisingly good, you know, because um, you know, for 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 played for played for twenty years, and you know, I always as we spoke about love the love the collisions and and all that, and and surprisingly, I feel quite blessed that I've, I've got out of the game relatively unscathed. I mean, if you know, there's a few uh, few aches and you know uh, joints, you know, aching joints, but. Um, I feel feel quite um, quite fortunate. I actually ran a marathon uh, three months ago, so did I do you? I do keep at it. I did, yeah, yeah. I, did, uh, I cracked four hours as well, which was uh, a nice, nice time to get. So yeah, so I, I do I do keep training. But when you see some of the older pros, you know, and the the bodies, you know, a little bit uh, haggard. I do know, you know, uh, a little bit of arthritis is probably uh, imminent. But you know, if I, if I can keep training and train through it and as I say I'm still still active so uh, happy days yeah you know given your style Moz, how many how many concussions do you reckon you had over your career yeah quite a few actually so but yeah yeah but that, that's another issue because yeah. does still that scare you a little bit now it does it certainly does yeah I mean you're seeing a lot of ex-professionals now being diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that I mean let's let's be honest it can't be good for the body you know playing uh, as brutal a sport as rugby league is and it can't be good you know uh, all the concussions and that kind of thing so it does it does scare us but you know it's it's it's, it's happened now we can't do anything about it now you can't turn back the clock so we'll just have to wait and see see what happens but um touch wood it's uh mate, touch wood you, you still know, got your memory mate you, you you remember everything from your career so that's a good sign yeah yeah that is a good sign but uh but yeah well uh hopefully i won't have any uh any problems uh, later on down the line? Okay, Moz, let's wrap things up with a couple of just personality questions. The first one. Now, this is always an interesting one, especially for a forward. Now, I know you've scored lots of long-range tries, mate, but what was your most memorable try from your career? Uh, it was when the first time, well, the only time I got asked to captain Great Britain, and it was uh, 2007. I'd never captained the side before, and I got asked to captain Great Britain. Um, Paul Schoolfart wasn't playing. Jamie Peacock wasn't available for some reason, but um, so it was a bit of an experimental squad. But uh, but I got asked to captain Great Britain, which was um, you know the the ultimate in, in, in my opinion. So we played against the French, and it was at Headingley where I'd spent all them years with Leeds. So it made it extra special, and actually scored um, captain in Great Britain against the French. So that was me. That was me uh, favourite try and most memorable try. Is that the one you told the boys when after a few points? 
That's the one, mate. Yeah, and it gets uh, it gets long, longer and longer the the, uh, the distance I run as well. But uh, yeah, it was, it was great, mate. You know, we've been through a lot of your opponents that you really respect, but I saw you in the clip name your top five. The one I want you to talk about is you versus Ruben Wiki. When you think about the collision and you two just steam trains just coming at each other, that would have been incredible. Yeah, well, again, it, Ruben's another player. That I've got the old, you know utmost respect for it. He plays. The game how it should be played really you know very very physical and uh yeah so it was we played Canberra away in 2001 and I took the ball in and he just bent down and he um he dived at me I, I used to used to try and put my knees up and elbows up just to try and give myself a bit of a, a bit of cushion really so I tried to make myself small and he just dived uh, you know, he, he didn't have much of a caring for his for his body. Really, he just dived into me, elbows and, and knees, and uh, he actually hit, hit my forearm with the with the front of his head. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So there was there was a sickening crack. So it was it was my arm and and his neck, but thankfully it was nothing nothing serious. But both being you know tough guys, we both got up as if nothing happened and. I played the ball and he got a marker, but then, you know, after 10 seconds, I had to be brought off with a broken arm, but then he had to be brought off with with his neck in a, in a brace. But oh, no. I actually I actually met him at Canberra uh, Hospital. He was in the waiting room in, in a neck brace and I walked in with my sling on and then that's, he got, got chatting to him in the... Uh, in the in in the waiting room, so you know that that's the first time I had a had a proper chat with him really, and you know he 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 put us both in there. But what a what a tough player he was for sure. Now you know we talked about the book before. I was watching some highlights of you yesterday. Now I've got to ask. You know, remember Jason King from Manly? Did was he in the book? Because you launched him once <laughs> and then you, you fought him. Yeah, yeah. No, he did something to me earlier on in the game. I can't remember where it was, but I think he. Give me a mouthful, or but I remember there was there was a reason for the uh, for, for for the shot, but but again you you can't do them tackles anymore, can you? Because that, that, that was NFL stuff. <laughs> that was NFL, yeah. But, um, it was very, yeah, very. I good. mean, yeah. Well, you know, rugby league—that's the beauty of it. If someone does you a wrong or disrespects you in any way, you've got another eighty minutes there to get your own back. So. Uh, so we got, you got a bit of, bit of payback there. Oh, we miss you here, Moss. We miss you. There's absolutely they, they all just do little push and shoves, and it's just yeah, it's, it's airy fairy, yeah, mate. We need to be back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, second last one. Now, Moss, did you have a favourite ground, and did you also have a bogey ground to play at? Uh, my favourite ground was 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 Headingley because uh, you know I spent all all them times there uh, <clears throat> playing for Leeds made made me. First grade debut there, and you know, out of all the rugby league grounds, it's probably uh, the the best stadium there is. Well, it certainly, is now it's just had a, a redevelopment. But even even in the old days, it was it was a very special place for for me. I actually played my, my last ever game there as well, which was was lovely. Uh, I played for as a guest for Leeds against the the touring Kiwis in their warm up game for the for the Four Nations uh, in two thousand. Uh, 15, which was was great, you know. Played my first game there, played my last game there. So Headingley was my uh, favourite ground. But in terms of bogey grounds, um, probably not really. I mean, the old the, the old Willows. I mean, um, where Solver used to play. Uh, I think I lost the first three times I played there. Four leads against Salford. So I was thinking I'm never going to win at this place. Um, but yeah. 
so they, it, that was the Willows where you know, I'd spent all them years as a kid on, on the terraces cheering them on and uh, couldn't win there but then uh, eventually they did get a few few wins there that's with with Leeds and uh, with Warrington yeah what is the Willow still up or they knocked it down no no it's knocked down unfortunately it's houses now but oh. some, of, some of the streets they've the named the streets after famous uh, you know ex, ex-Salford players which is you know that's uh, it's quite nice but yeah it's it's uh, sad that it's uh, that the old place is gone. Yeah, I hope they gave you a street, mate. No, no, they, they didn't actually. But oh, that's, uh, when that's I played, wrong. When, when I played for Salford, you know, it wasn't at the Willows, so um, I'm not not too precious about not uh, not having a street there. That's yeah. uh, fine. Did you have a billionaire owner or something? Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Marlon Kukas. That was ah, the okay. guy who, who brought me over. But but you know, he's uh, he's a Strange character, Marwan. You know, no one knows whether he's actually very, very wealthy or he just puts this front on. But, um, but either way, he, he was he was great for Salford. You know, he did put his money where his mouth was and he did invest. But unfortunately, it didn't go, uh, didn't go, didn't go as well as he would have liked. Okay. Now, final question, Miles. This is my dinner party question. Now, you've got five invites to a private dinner party. Now, only rules: no family or friends, but you can invite anyone, dead or alive. Who are the five people you like to have dinner with? <laughs> Five people, right? Well, uh, I like my music, so uh, uh, Bob Dylan. Um, I'd, I'd invite Bob Dylan, massive, massive Bob massive Dylan fan. fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Coogan, who's he's, he's a, a comedian, comedian. Yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah. So, but he's from just down the road from Salford. But I just think he's he's a hilarious comedian. Anyway, do you know him? And um, no, no, n- n- never met him. But um, but you know, I think he's uh, I think he's fantastic at what he does. Um, who else now? So, George Foreman, uh, big, big George, yes, big, uh, big, bo- big boxing fan. But I just think he was, he was amazing back in the day. But then to have a comeback, what he did was, uh, was uh, pretty special. I got to interview him actually. Uh, it was, uh, it was incredible. Oh, did like, you? Yeah. All oh, right. It was one of those things that my phone's flashing and George Foreman's on the other side. I'm going, what is going on? Because like my walls, oh, that that? my walls in my office. It's Muhammad Ali and George Foreman because I used to love just you know their whole story is just yeah so it was surreal just having to have a chat with him. Ah, nice, nice. Yeah, would would have been. Uh, I'll stick Brian Fletcher in there just because he's uh, Fletch. Uh, yeah, yeah, f- f- funny guy. So um, how many is that for? And I'll go with John Lennon. Um, yeah, big uh, big Beatles fan as well and. It's uh, tragic what happened to to John Lennon, but I'd yeah. I'd have uh, I'd have John there just to uh, just for the uh, politics and the controversy. I think. Yeah, well, Moz, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast again. A lot of people don't know this, but Moz has actually been on eighteen months ago, and I did not press record. <laughs> but he's been kind enough to come back because the people of Australia have wanted Moz back on the podcast. So, Moz, I really appreciate it, buddy. My pleasure. No worries. And that, guys, was the Moz, Adrian Morley. I really hope you did appreciate and enjoy that episode. We will continue to extend the season well past 150 episodes. I'm having, I'm having way too much fun to have a break, so why not continue the journey? Next week on the show, I'll be showcasing UFC middleweight champion Robert Whitaker and also his one of his head coaches, Fabricio Ite. So... Two great minds in the world of MMA, but there's plenty still more to come. Shane Webke 
There is Mark Schwarzer, as well as a host of other podcasts. I'm just in the middle of recording. So continue to share the show with your family and friends. If you can, please support the book. It will be out 14th of August. It's called Talking with Champions. You can pre-order from Dimix, Angus and Robertson, or Booktopia, pretty much anywhere you get your good books from. Hit me up if you can't find the pre-order link, or it will be in the description on your podcast app. All right, guys, that is it for this week. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.